Hey there, Mother Makers. Before we begin, I just wanted to say thank you to those of you who have left reviews of the show on iTunes. It's so amazing to me to see that these stories are reaching you. If you haven't already, just a reminder that your ratings and reviews of the Mother Maker podcast help it to get seen by more people. If you like what you've been hearing, take a moment, pause this podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you so much. I feel like my kids growing up and seeing that being an artist is just a totally normal and appropriate way to make your space in the world and make a living is a real gift to, I hope, to them um, in terms of just sort of the idea that if you're really passionate about something, you can figure out how to make it happen. Welcome to Mother Maker, a podcast featuring conversations with artists who are also mothers. This is episode six, and today I'll be sharing my conversation with Wisconsin artist Megan Woodard Johnson. My name is Emma Coy, and I'm a musician and performance artist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I live with my husband Jason, our three-year-old son Henry, and a new baby on the way due this August. If you like what you've been hearing, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, and even better, tell a friend. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Megan Woodard Johnson, a painter in West Bend, Wisconsin, who has two teenage sons with her husband, Mike. It was a therapist that helped Megan see that she needed to rediscover her art after staying home with her young children for four years. Although it was a process, her basement art practice became her career, and it has evolved over the course of her motherhood story to become a contribution of livelihood for her family. It was that modest private basement space that was really key to her being able to connect with herself each day. On a personal note, we made the decision this year for me to rent a studio space outside of our home to practice and teach private lessons. This was a really tough decision to make. It took a lot of planning and a lot of calculating whether it would be worth it or not, but it has been a huge game changer for me. When I'm at home, I cannot compartmentalize. I'm constantly multitasking. I'm literally stepping away from folding laundry to write an email or cooking dinner while playing with my son and also trying to learn new music for the week. But when I go to that studio space, I can concentrate. I find myself practicing for a 90-minute session wondering where the time went. It kind of feels like college again. But it doesn't come without a ton of communication, schedule coordinating between my husband, Jason, and me. So tell me, where do you do your best work? Do you have a space outside of your home or a home studio in your home? Are you working on the dining room table most days? If you've got feedback about this episode or the podcast in general, there are lots of ways to get in touch with me and the Mothermaker team. You can send me an email at emma at mothermaker.co. We're also on Facebook at Mothermaker Co. and on Instagram at Mothermaker. Also, be sure to sign up for our newsletter by going to mothermaker.co and clicking newsletter in the upper right-hand corner. By joining the mailing list, you'll be getting these interviews delivered straight to your inbox every two weeks when they come out on Fridays. And also join our Facebook group, Mother Maker Artists Raising Humans. It's just a group of women from all over the world sharing our work each week and cheering each other on. If you're looking for a community of other artist mothers, we'd love to have you there. So here's my conversation with Megan Woodard Johnson. 
right? Yes. I've just started like extra loving doing things that are centered around motherhood too, because I feel like it's like the first time professionally I haven't felt like I had to apologize for that real life stuff. You know, you just, I feel like there's already some hits against me living in West Bend and, you know, not like right in the city and, you know, being a woman and being 45 and you know all these things that I don't want to have to be like, oh, and I can only do this at this time because of my children. <laughs> so. Yes, right? It's it's kind of becoming more acceptable now and people are talking about it, which I'm really grateful to be having kids in this day and age, right, yes. for that reason. But I even yep. I know like even in 10 years, it's changed a lot as far as acceptability. Yeah, it absolutely has. And just sort of, um, I don't know if we're officially recording or talking or whatever, but yeah, um, we are. So, okay, there we go. <laughs> but also I was thinking about how um, – Everything from like mommy blogs and all that stuff that my kids are 16 and 14 and I, really none of that existed for me um, as a parent, let alone as an artist. Um, and so it's so fun to be part of this, just an effort to not, I don't even want to say normalize because it almost feels negative, but to like celebrate that this is a really valid way to merge all of your lives together. Yeah. So what was it like when your kids were small in regards to being Back an in artist? The days? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it really was not that long ago. No, it wasn't. It <laughs> but wasn't. things go so fast. fast. Yeah, exactly. I actually wasn't practicing any kind of art when we had children. I had gone to school for art out east and then I moved to the Midwest for a completely different type of job. And then I met a guy who wasn't involved in the arts. And since I moved to the area, I, I hadn't really connected with people in the arts because I came for a different type of career. So I had sort of like put that whole part of me kind of on a back shelf. And then when we had children, we made the decision that I'd be a stay at home parent. So I left even that career that I was doing at the time happily, you know, to focus on being an at-home parent. Had you gone to school for art prior to that? Yeah, I did. I mean, I was always, you know, the kid that was the artist in class, and I was um, going to, like, summer programs at art universities and studying it really seriously all through high school. And then I went to school in um, West Virginia, a small school, but a really beautiful area, sort of in the pocket uh, by Baltimore and D.C., so a lot of great culture and a wonderful art program. And I studied graphic design and um, printmaking. But by the time that I finished college, I wasn't interested in graphic design because it had switched when I went in, in the olden days. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was stop using that joke. When I went in, it was all a lot of handwork and, um, you know, maybe screen printing and things like that. And when I graduated, it was all computers. And I don't thrive artistically on a computer. Um, it's sort of all I can do to maintain my website. And I think that graphic design is amazing and I love it, but I didn't want to execute it anymore because of the, you know, technology. So I got a job actually with Quad Graphics. So they're based here in Wisconsin. They had an administrative trainee program where they just really wanted students kind of right out of school that would be willing to be super flexible in their business because you spent like three months in every department under the sun, under the whole company, and often were bouncing from plant to plant within Wisconsin. So for people that aren't from the Wisconsin area, Quad Graphics is a corporate printing company. So giant 
printing of magazines and catalogs and stuff like that. So I was completely out of the artistic world, but it was a really flexible career and they sent me to, you know, New York State for training and New York City and and it really appealed to me since I sort of finished school and didn't want to do my major, but I wanted to move out and have health insurance and a, <laughs> all those things. Um I just moved to Milwaukee from the East Coast and um man, I loved it. I love Milwaukee. I met a guy who was from here and was establishing his career and I stayed longer than I thought. We got married and we had children and I decided to stay home and all the creativity came like gushing out in the form of like birthday parties and, you know, things like that, which I had a blast with. I mean, I really loved being a, um, focusing on being an at-home parent, but those birthday parties only come, you know, once a year. (laughs) So I think, um, yeah, I just had a big missing part of me. So those years when you were a stay-at-home parent, what what sort of was the process to discovering you needed it back in your life? I was a stay-at-home parent for it would be like four and a half years. I think I was just unfulfilled and trying to figure out when you're a mom and you say you're unfulfilled, that's like feels like a horrible thing to say. Um, but also I had a lot, a great network of mom friends who were sort of one by one going back to work or going to like um, consulting or, you know, like freelance work. So they were kind of reestablishing their career part of themselves. And I wasn't interested in going back to work outside of the house in any of the sort of careers that I'd flitted around in for the, you know, eight or so years prior. And I, I just started seeing a counselor for a couple of these issues and trying to figure out like what was making me feel not happy. And she zoned right in on, well, wait a minute, you said you went to school for art and you were always an artist and what do you make now? And I, you know, she, she just saw it way clearer than I did. So we immediately carved out a tiny little corner in the basement with a, you know, for me to have a studio. And I just started making things again. I just started, um, playing around with materials it was a really fun time to just explore um materials so the medium that i really thrived in in college was printmaking which requires a huge press and like all of this equipment and isn't available in you know a little starter home basement and so i started um playing with materials that would really ultimately end up they're they're still the materials i use today i am a mixed media artist i layer lots of collage elements and paint and drawing tools and um, kind of anything i can reach and i was always like that i always liked to merge different materials together my mom would tell you that my bedroom was always a mess with tiny little projects and tons of every art supply you could possibly have. So it was really just very rewarding to get back into that with no goal, really. Mm-hmm. I think that's a real gift to just be able to see it as exploring and playing. And it wasn't because of a deadline or an obligation or, a, a you know, outside expectations. Did you see a noticeable change in your in your mental health and your well-being just from from the very beginning, or was it a process? Oh, well, it was probably a process, but absolutely, I'm, I'm sure, I'm trying to think back to, I always feel better if I've painted something or made something, and so, and then I, I think what really was the big deal was carving out a physical space in our home that was dedicated just for me doing something that was just for me, and it wasn't, 
you know, I mean, it was sort of sandwiched between the laundry room and like, you know, the storage area of the basement. But we made sure that when I went there, I like closed my eyes when I went through the laundry room. So I wasn't thinking about laundry to do or you know anything like that. And that my husband, he was just fundamentally supportive. Like everything happened really quickly because he was like, oh, we've got to do this now. Like, yes. I think that alone, just being allowed to claim like a portion of myself that wasn't about being a mom was really important. Mm -hmm. You know, being a whole person, I guess. Yeah, totally. How long did you do it as a hobby until it became something you could build an income from? Let's see. I mean, I first started making things just for myself, and then I would make gifts for people. Um, A lot of the work that I was doing was drawing from the notion of parenting. And so making a gift for, you know, a friend who had just had a baby, it was a really fluid, you know, it made sense what I was making would, you know, fit that sort of occasion. And then it got to the point where I just, I had a bunch of stuff piling up and I wanted, you know, I did go to school for art. You want to make things and then have it be seen. And so I started reaching out to little boutiques or little stores. Um, Sometimes they were children's boutiques. These are just the places I was still spending my time. And my work fit really well in those sorts of spaces. But what was funny is the sales didn't come really fast from like their customers. Cause honestly it felt like their boutique was really nicely decorated. Like it wasn't clear that this was like <laughs> a for sale. <laughs> so <laughs> sort of, you know, but it was, um, it was out, it was encouragement from outside of my you know family and outside of my home. Let's think. I think I was checking. It was like 2007 was when we created that basement studio. And probably within a year or so, I had enough work and a friend that connected me to a space in the third ward where I hung work for a gallery night weekend. And then that that shop kept it hanging for a month. So that felt like my first show because it was, you know, I had to create a body of work of like 20 pieces. Um, I brought them in and at one point and the shop owner said, we love, I love these. Could you go bigger? Cause I was working really small. And so there was this encouragement to like try and stretch, um, with a deadline and framing and all of that kind of stuff, which I just think is so valuable for emerging mm-hmm. artists to sort of hit a show and complete it, um, and have it ready. And I then also had to think about pricing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we were living in West Dallas, this little community off of the edges of Milwaukee at this point. And then we moved up here to West Bend. And around that same time, which I believe was maybe 2010, I had I had a show ready for sort of a restaurant that did really nice art shows throughout the year. And that was one where I approached them and they were booking their shows a year out in advance. So that was a really new experience for me in terms of like the realities of the professional experience of showing your work is that often it's not like you say, oh, I've got 15 paintings. Would you like me to hang them on your wall? Um, often places that you know have a deliberate approach, um, whether they're retail establishments or restaurants or anything like that, they're, they are booking their wall space out a year in advance. And so they liked my work and they put me in for a year um, out. And that meant that I had to keep being an artist for a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really exciting and encouraging, a little daunting too, because there's a, like early on as an emerging artist, there was sort of this, am I going to be able to keep making good art for a year? And I, do I still have a voice? And all those experiences just kept me working and really kept my work growing. Yeah. 
It must have felt really um, like, oh, this is the right thing to be doing. But did you have any feelings of doubt over what you were doing ever? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's that imposter syndrome that everybody talks about from all sorts of different fields, but it, it gets a lot of attention in the art world. And I still have that. I still have that feeling. I mean, I was messaging you saying I was nervous about doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so I, because I studied art all along and I had really great educators and really great support, um, I sort of, I was just sort of always surprising myself like, Ooh, look, I can still do it. Um, I didn't. So I, I've always felt doubt but I've never felt like I shouldn't be making art. There have been times when I've taken little pauses, you know, in the last 12 years or whatever, for you know just the reasons that sort of interrupt your flow, um, and been worried that I was going to get back to the studio and nothing was going to come. And I remember having a conversation with a woman who was, you know, older than me, had an awesome perspective, and she just said, you know, I don't, I, you're you're an artist, you're never going to not be able to make art. And if you take a long break, and you get back to the studio, I don't believe you'll ever find that you can't make art again. That those, those pauses are like when a field needs to go fallow, and it, it requires that break, and things sort of percolate under the surface that you can't really predict how they're going to come out. So I've had a couple of things like that, where I've had like a phase of making a lot of art, and then a phase of taking a little bit of a break. And then the returning is always a little nerve wracking. And then something comes out that's that lets me know that I can still say what I want to say with my art. Mm-hmm. There's always pieces that turn out terribly ugly or <laughs> aren't what I want to say. And those go in one pile. But in general, I've grown to be able to trust those fallow periods and um, and just kind of get over the hump again and get working mm-hmm. again. And then like it keeps being proven out that even after a pause, then the work that comes next is exciting and an evolution. I mean, and to think about it, your whole career started after a long pause, right? Right. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> did. It absolutely did. And what's neat now at this point is that I can look back and see connections of what I'm doing now that are connected to what I was exploring in college. Some of the fundamental things that I'm interested in about being a human are still the same. And those are the things that I'm always toying around with in the studio. And um, so that's kind of exciting to see too, that there's always these evolutions, but it, it makes sense. It's still my hand mm-hmm. and it's still my voice. What are you currently working on? What are you interested in exploring right now? I really love thinking about how um, we are made of a million different moments and experiences that sort of all pile up and make us who we are, you know, in this hour and in this phase in our life. Um, I had the chance to do a little artist in residency at a middle school once. And I honestly think I explained it to those kids the best (laughs) is that I said, who you are right now when I'm sitting here talking to you is informed by whether your alarm went off at the right time this morning, whether there was, you know, the kind of cereal you wanted for breakfast, whether your brother or sister was nice to you or like obnoxious to you and all those things. And whether you got to school on time and had your homework done and you got to sit here next to your friend or not, all of those things made you who you are right now. And the person sitting next to you had all those same, like all sorts of experiences that made who 
they are right now. And just the fact that you're sitting next to each other and we're all having this conversation is still making you who you are. And I love feeling like we're all having private individual experiences, but there's a real interconnection to sort of what everybody's going through just as a person. And I find that the way that I like to try to explore that with my art is by layering up literal different materials and brush marks and you know drawing marks in a variety of ways so there's areas in my paintings that have like some real precise uh, sort of mapped out clean qualities and then they might get covered over by really expressive brush marks or scribbly kinds of lines and then more um, I use a lot of collage elements to physically create these uh, layers. So then there might be more like really precisely cut out collage areas and more scribbles. And I just really like layering those things up and combining precision with chaos to just sort of explore this balance. And right now in the last, let's say six months, I've um, gone to paintings that are completely non-representational abstract. So they're really just marks of color and line and they don't reference any specific recognizable shape or uh, concept because I'm just going all the way into exploring the idea of all these layers of us that make us who we are. Mm -hmm. When your kids see your art, what do they say? (laughs) <laughs> they're so candid and great and um <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had this going back a little ways to when we had when we moved to our second home I actually got a studio upstairs with a window and it was like bright it was the spare bedroom um and I was doing a long series I've always used a house shape as sort of a metaphor that I've explored, you know, off and on throughout the years. And at this point, I was doing a lot of houses. And I was also doing a lot of pieces with birds on them. And my youngest son came in at one point, and he just laid down on my studio floor and looked up and he went, what's with all the birds and houses? <laughs> like, oh, something you'll learn. Like, I like to work in series for a really long time, but they're what I like to do. So my kids are incredibly creative. They are a 14 and 16-year-old boys. They have their own sort of maps that they're charting personally. So they're not painting with me. They're not um, into art museums. They're not really into art shows. But um, they come to my bigger events and my bigger openings. And I think they're proud of me or they think it's cool or they see this sort of success but also they think it's kind of no big deal. Like this is just my job. And I've got to tell you, I love that so much because growing up, even though I studied art, um, there was a real hesitance on my parents' perspective eventually to sort of um, be able to support like a fine art career. It was just too scary and nebulous. And in the 90s, there was no internet to connect us. There was no Instagram to promote your work. Um, So there was a much bigger feel of like, well, what, you're going to be a painter? That could mean that you're like starving and living in a shitty studio in New York. Um, And so the graphic design was kind of a compromise there. Like that could be, you could be an artist, but also get a degree. I feel like my kids growing up and seeing that being an artist is just a totally normal and appropriate way to 
um, make your space in the world and make a living is a real gift to, I hope, to them. Um, in terms of just sort of the idea that if you're really passionate about something, you can figure out how to make it happen. And again, I think they're really lucky to be growing up in the digital age because I think that there's no end to the ways that you can create your own career, um, no matter what you're interested in. Yeah. In in raising kids for 16 years now, what kind of things would you tell yourself looking back about, you know, how to proceed and get to where you are now? Would you change anything? I don't well, I don't think that I, this is that whole, like, my perspective of that all your experiences layer up to make who you are. So I wouldn't change anything drastically. I would love to have gotten to a place of confidently calling myself an artist earlier mm-hmm. and um, speaking about my work more confidently earlier and knowing that it is a valid way to, you know, for me to spend my time, you know, that creative lifestyle. It's hard sometimes to have the confidence in your work and your ability to call yourself um, an artist. I, you know, so I'm in my mid thirties and I, I do like, I want to talk to people who have kids who are much older, who have kind of been through it because for me and why I do this project is because it's hard, you know, (laughs) it's hard to convince yourself that you can continue doing what you love and raising kids at the same time and that you have value beyond being a parent and I want to know like what I want to like dig in (laughs) and know what were your struggles and now that you're kind of it seems like you're really you're really settled in who you are now and I I just suspect that's not always been the case (laughs) right oh yeah absolutely (laughs) you know what I mean yeah So I think some of the hardest things for me were, so I chose to be a stay-at-home mom, and that was a choice between both my husband and I. At that time that I, that we had our first son, I had, I left quad graphics and I was um, actually doing development fundraising in the arts. Um, So I was never making a ton of money. So financially, it made the most sense for him to stay on his career track. And then I think there was the sort of like this real chemical, visceral need for me to be home with my babies. Um, And so I, you know, we decided to do that. Then, you know, like five years later, wanting to carve out some time for me to do this like hobby felt fine. It felt appropriate for me to be like, I need a little space to myself, but it was still in hobby, you know, mode. And then even, you know, at a certain point we hired and like a babysitter once a week so that I could get like three, four hours to maybe run some errands or do some art. And that's sort of how I got enough of work together for one of my first shows. And even that felt like pretty great. As as long as I felt like I could sell enough pieces to cover my art supplies, I felt like this was a hobby that was supporting itself. Um, so I was still a full-time at-home mom, and I was doing this thing that wasn't impacting our budget, and I could squeeze it in, but my priority was still being a mom. And definitely once the kids were in school full-time, and my art it was taking more of my focus, and my identity was becoming more attached to it, I had a really hard time feeling like dedicating lots of time to my art was appropriate when 
if I did that, then who was going to sort of take up the slack in the air, the hours of the day that I had been doing, I don't know, household stuff. And I, I hate, I hate that that makes it sound like we had this sort of 1950s dynamic, but the truth is that my husband was earning all of the money and all of the financial contribution to the family. And I was contributing by doing the sort of the eight hours a day that he wasn't home. I was running the house. And so I had a lot of guilt, I think, about carving that time away. There was a little shift when the kids went to school because it was like, oh, well, I can do this now because they're not here. But as soon as anybody else was home, I had a really hard time concentrating and giving it that space. And I will be honest, I took a part-time job at the art museum up here in West Bend when my kids were in like elementary school because I kind of, I was lonely. I'm an extrovert. And once they went to school and I was working in this little studio once in a while in my house, um, I wasn't getting out and interacting with people. So I found a part-time job at this museum and I loved it. And I let myself take one of those hiatuses in my art for about 18 months. Um, and I knew that I would come back to it eventually, but eventually the job really required a full-time person and I didn't want that. So I stepped away from it and there I didn't really have an intention, like I'm stepping away from this so that I can do my art. It just was no longer a good fit, that job. But the week that I gave notice, a friend of mine in West Bend who had just rented a studio space, she's a fiber artist, just saw me out of the blue and said, I'm running a studio and I have an empty room that's not being used and I want you to sublet it from me and I want you to have a studio and start making art again. So I, and I felt honestly this sort of like voice from really deep within say, yes, you need to do this. And I, I really mean that when I quit the job at the museum, I didn't have a, I need to quit this job so that I can make more art. I, I knew that I would always make art, but that wasn't the reason. But as soon as this friend offered this up to me, I just knew that that was the thing that I needed to do. So I went home and this conversation with my husband went, okay, so you know how we decided we could afford for me not to be earning my little <laughs> museum job anymore? And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, so now I really want to rent this space from my friend. And it's going to, I mean, it was so cheap. It was like 85 bucks a month or something. So I said, so now not only am I not going to be earning any money, but I also want to be able to use family money to rent this space. And he said, okay, absolutely. Yeah, you need to be making art again. Do you think you'll be able to sell enough regularly to cover that rent? And I said, well, I need for at least a year for that not to be an issue <laughs> because I haven't made art in a year and a half and I don't know what's going to come out. And he's so great. He was like, okay, we can figure this out. And, um, and we did. And it was the greatest boost to my career because something about shifting to rent paying money to rent a space outside of my home. I think the biggest thing was that it was outside of my home. Like I had to put on normal people clothes and leave the house and go there. So if I was working on a painting and it didn't feel like it was really going anywhere, the choice to ditch it and leave was so much harder. If it was mm -hmm. my studio in our guest room, I just sort of walked down the hall. But, um, when in the studio, I developed a much stronger practice. And then I started having like just really, you know, great pieces evolve because I was putting all that effort into it. But we were still, to be clear, 
we were a single income family. We've always, we've really always structured our income to the best of our ability to be based in one, or our, our budget to be based on one income. And we are incredibly lucky that we can do that. I've been privileged to be able to um, not have a financial, I want to say burden on my art for the first many years of it evolving. And then I think the like a little alchemy of hard work and timing and a great art education means that I've been making work um, that has been selling. So for most of the time that I've been making art, like I said, I've been able to cover my expenses. And then it started creeping up a little bit and I'd think, oh look, I covered my expenses and I have enough money to then you know, do this. Or And it kept sort of feeding into the art because we still didn't require it for our family. Mm-hmm. And I think having that sort of freedom really allowed me to dive into the craft and explore different ways of selling and making art. So I've tried art fairs and juried shows and all those sorts of things and grow sort of slowly in that regard. But I want to say about two, three years ago, I knew that I wanted to push even further in terms of selling my work. And I knew that meant that I was going to have to devote more time to make even better work, make more work. I needed to, and all of that sort of is more money and more time. And then hauling your work around to show it. I do summer art fairs, like where I set up the tent and I show my work in Chicago and things like that. And I started to realize that, you know how earlier I had said I was a stay-at-home parent. So as long as I could sort of keep up with the things, the way we had divided homeowner responsibilities and parenting responsibilities, I all of a sudden realized I couldn't keep up with my end of that and we needed to make some shifts. And it was it was hard because it took a while for me to realize what wasn't balanced right in our family. And then my husband, we sat down and I literally had a conversation like I was requesting a change of job responsibilities <laughs> for you know what 12 years or 10 years or whatever I have happily been filling these responsibilities but I my interests have changed and I've grown and I want to do this now and it's going to require that some of these have to shift which obviously like we're a department of two they had to shift to him <laughs> and he was awesome like it just kept it we need that was a, a really difficult part, but only because we had to like redefine things. Now, like I said, I have a 16 year old son. It's still really hard. I have been doing this for 12 years. It's hard in a new way right now because my kids are getting ready to go to college and college is really expensive. And I feel like as a parent, and again, this is also probably coming from a voice of privilege, but my kids are able to, you know, manage college. And I believe that it's a important next step for them. And I believe it is largely our responsibility as parents to make that possible. I mean, college now is way more than it was when I went to school. So I, I do know that we're not going to be able to afford every penny of it. But we had always sort of had this vision of when our kids were in like junior high and high school, I would go back to work and my income would largely fund college. And that's a really tall order for a visual artist to fill. Now that you've been doing this for so long, mm-hmm. how could you possibly stop doing it? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, 
because probably about two years ago, I thought, okay, I'm really setting a really intentional goal. And I want to make, I'll say it like I wanted, I had a goal of making $30,000 a year from my art, because I thought also realistically, I had like a, you know, small runway in terms of career corporate wise, I've been out of the workforce largely for 16 years. Um, I know I'm smart and I bring a lot to the table, but it's hard to quantify it on a resume. So I know that if I went to a corporate job, my starting salary would be not huge. So I thought to myself, why can't I make like basically an entry level position salary doing the art that I know I'm an expert at. And I don't mean that I'm an expert um, in the field of visual arts, but in my life, this is the thing that I'm the best at and the skill that I've really honed. So I just had this like well of confidence. It was a similar boost of confidence or internal knowing that three years ago had encouraged me to take a studio outside the house. I just thought, no, you can figure this out. and I'm not there yet, I'll be honest, um, but I have really boosted my sales and I've boosted, but it's because I've been going to art fairs further away and I've been really honing my craft and increasing the prices of my work and I'm working really hard to try and get my work in front of the right audience and that's a big thing for all of us in creative fields, I think, is to determine Like, who do you want to be speaking to? And then figure out how to find them. Um, I think that my work resonates. I have a lot of really great feedback um, on social media. And I'm just reaching into new gallery spaces and new juried events. So it's, it's going. But the money part is still scary. That's still hard. In the last year or so, I've been doing some work with an online, uh, like a life coach, business coach that she... um, focuses on women in the creative business, like entrepreneurial sphere. And some of the earliest work that we did was in redefining success. And what's really interesting is that I joined this sort of year-long coaching program thinking, okay, my goal with this year is to really hit that $30,000 a year mark. And within the first month, I had redefined success to say like, well, actually, if I'm still making art that is growing and reaching new audiences and I can aim for gallery representation and maybe a little bit of less sales and I need to take a different type of job that will support the you know college goals, that still feels like a success. Mm-hmm. An interesting switch. And I think two years ago, if I had made that choice, if I had had to make that choice, it would have felt like I got forced into it by failure. And now I actually feel like um, if I ever do get to that choice, it'll be because it was the right choice to make. But I have no doubts about my work resonating and being strong and growing and appealing. Yeah, totally. What advice do you have for other mother makers? If you have something in you that calls you to create, just don't ever undervalue that. You you can't quantify it with whether you, you know, support your family or you um, change the world. But I just think that if you have something that you're uniquely able to create, that the world deserves that and needs it. And it is, you know, it's a hard life, but 
there's this mystique of like, oh, being an artist or being a musician or be, if that's such a hard life, how could you ever do that? And I think if you can sort of let go of that, it's such a hard life worry, then what kind of comes out of it is this blooming of this amazing thing that only you can create and only you can share. And so um, if you have the opportunity to do that, don't ever feel like it's not a valid way to spend your time. And as far as being a mother and an artist, you're just showing your kids that as a human, you have sort of these inherently valuable gifts to share and the work that goes into making them you know, come true is, is valid hard work. And honestly, if I feel like we can show a whole generation of kids that being an artist is just like a totally typical, normal, awesome, important job, then you know, that's only gonna make everybody's path a little better. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of the Mother Maker podcast. We do publish all of our interviews in text form as well. So to read Megan's interview or to send it to a friend, visit mothermaker.co slash interviews slash Megan dash Woodard dash Johnson. You'll also find photographs of Megan's work, her family, and links to her website, meganwoodardjohnson.com and all of her social media accounts. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter or send me an email with your feedback about this episode. You can always connect with me on Instagram and Facebook as well. This podcast is produced and edited by me, Emma Coy. Our web designer and developer is my husband, Jason Coy, and our text editor is my dear friend, Alyssa Zimmerman Exley, a new mom herself. Our music is by David Hillowitz, and our brilliant safety pin letter M logo was designed by Matthew Fleming. Until next time, keep making work, mother makers. Thanks for listening. Out came the sun and I tried to mother it. And the yes, 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 you're in the sun. Bow again. Woo! Bravo, take a bow.